What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. My entire life, I owe to Nick. Everything that makes me who I am. My judgment, my speech, hell, even my name. They're his. And I can't do a damn thing about it, because without them, without them, I'm nothing. A shell. All I want is a life where I have something I can call my own. you've played fallout 4 then you've put yourself in the mindset of somebody who wakes up 200 years in the future only to find out that the world has changed and that a lot of things are not what they were when you went to sleep that's a simplified summary but it's basically what happens in the game Now imagine a similar situation where you wake up 200 years past when you would have remembered, but you're no longer even yourself. You're in the body of a machine, an early model of a synth, something that hasn't even been perfected yet. Because somebody who you don't know, 200 years in the future, decided to download the contents of your brain, of your memory, into a machine. Because that machine needed a personality. It needed memories. It needed human experiences in order to be as close to human as possible. And instead of starting the machine out as as an infant and growing it up which would be extremely difficult they decided to just pick your personality out of a database your memories and upload them into a machine now of course this isn't the same person as the person the memories were taken from that person dies so the original you is gone but the you that is now in this machine doesn't know the difference all they know is that they woke up and the world has changed if you played fallout 4 and didn't spend a lot of time with nick valentine then you didn't experience the full story of what was going on with a charming an antiquated synth detective who talked like a detective from 
200 years ago in Chicago. And there's a reason for that. Like I was talking about just a moment ago, Nick Valentine was a real person, a detective in Chicago. He lived a real life. He had real relationships. He even potentially suffered from PTSD, which was the reason why his brain was scanned in the first place. And little did he know that when he was living his life, doing the things that he was doing, because he was just a regular human being going about his everyday decisions and habits, that a version of himself would wake up in the future in the body of a synthetic human. So let's let's dig into this a little bit. You guys are familiar probably with Nick Valentine. Chances are most of you have played Fallout 4. You remember him. He's the detective in Diamond City, and he's part of the main quest line at one point, so you kind of have to run into him, but you don't have to keep him as a companion and follow through with the companion quests and things like that. So I have a feeling a good number of you picked some of the other companions. Although Nick is charming and fun, you can't play dress up with him and you can romance him, but he's probably not your first romantic pick. Let's be honest. Um, But it says here, and I'm pulling from the fandom.com wiki, that originally along with another synth named Dima, and we're getting into the origins of the actual synths here, and Dima is a synth that you meet in the Far Harbor expansion. So if you haven't played Far Harbor, spoilers, this is going to go into that just a little bit, but I'll avoid diving too much into that until a future episode. Um, It goes on, it says, the synth that would become Nick Valentine was one of two unique prototype Gen 2 synths used to test if and how synths could handle independent thinking. So a very early synth, very early prototype for what eventually became a much more functional, complete type of uh, software, at least, uh, which eventually became way more self-aware. Let's just say that. But that doesn't mean that these two were not self-aware. They, they were successful in their experiments here. For years, he was experimented on having various personalities and memories from former humans loaded into him. Despite this, he and Dima grew a family-like bond together due to being the first and only synths of their kind. This was until Dima, having been an experiment on a synth developing its own sense of consciousness and self without preloaded personalities or memories, grew to resent the experiments being performed on him and his quote-unquote brother. The two synths managed to escape, but not before the Institute uploaded a new personality and memories in Dima's brother, being Nick. The synth now identifying himself as a pre-war police officer named Nick Valentine, in a state of confusion due to suddenly waking up 200 years in the future, attacked Dima. Dima was left with no choice but to knock Nick out and leave him behind. And how exactly you knock out a synth? Uh, Maybe electric shock? I'm not sure about that one. After regaining consciousness in a pile of garbage an unknown amount of time later, Nick wandered the wasteland in a state of confusion for several weeks. 
And I, I, I'm going to take a pause here. Usually I go through the episode and at the end I'm, I say, okay, put yourself in their shoes. But let's go through this step by step. Put yourself in the shoes here. You just wake up. Some sort of machine is looking at you thinking that it's your sibling. You don't know what to do. You attack it. You're a, you're a police officer, so you're trained and prepared for crazy situations. So you defend yourself and then you get knocked out and wake up in a pile of garbage. And then you're left to wander the wasteland in a body you don't recognize, in a world you don't recognize, as something different than what you ever ex- expected to be in a place that you just don't understand. Due to the unfamiliarity with the Institute and its technology, the wiki goes on, most wastelanders regarded Nick with equal parts fear and awe. However, he was eventually accepted into a small local community where a mechanic offered to repair the damage he had sustained in his travels. So he finds a kindly person and a community that accepts him. And I love this part of it because most people, and and isn't this a reflection of society as a whole? Most people go on their way and they just go, huh, that's weird. Or uh, I'm staying away from that guy. But somebody was brave and curious enough to say, hey, maybe I can help you out. The community was the first time since his reawakening that anyone had treated Nick as a human being and not some mechanical monstrosity. Nick eventually left that settlement. Upon visiting years later, he found it had been pillaged by raiders. The fate of its population remains unclear. That would be a really cool expansion to the game, and they never quite came back to this as far as I know. Uh, But finding out what happened to those people who were so kind to him early on would be a really cool bonus quest in the future. But I I doubt we'll ever see something like that. It goes on. It says Nick eventually found himself traveling to Diamond City. And that's that's where you meet him. That's where we know him from. And that's a little bit odd because the people in Diamond City are a, a bit crazy about synths and fear of synths and fear of being taken by the Institute and replaced with a synth that looks just like them. But it goes on and says, although Diamond City holds no small amount of hatred for the Institute and their synths, Nick gained their respect by saving the daughter of the city's former mayor, Henry Roberts, when she ran away with a caravan trader. And the caravan trader and his companions uh, were just kidnappers. They were not (laughs) good people giving her an opportunity to escape and live a different kind of life. They were going to capture her so that she could live a very different kind of life. Nick stumbled onto the kidnappers purely by accident when he was wandering the Commonwealth. And this is where he found himself held at gunpoint. And also this poor girl's only hope in this situation. So Nick scared the kidnapper, kidnappers, kidnappers away by claiming that there was a bomb inside of him. And beeping, which Nick claims that he literally just said the word beep repeatedly. Beep. (laughs) Beep. Oh, man. Can you imagine being in that situation and that's just what you come up with and it working? (laughs) I guess raiders aren't the uh, smartest things in the wasteland. But then again, you know, Nick is kind of kind of creepy looking and 
you know, maybe best to be just on the safe side. Maybe he's just programmed to say beep. You never know. When the mayor's daughter told Nick what had happened, he returned her to her father, who in turn gave him a house in Diamond City as compensation despite the citizens' dismay and objections. Nick gradually eased the citizens' fears by acting as the town's handyman. Now, it wasn't until sometime later that his detective skills came to the forefront and that they realized that he had some other advantages of having somebody like him in the community. He helped find a wife who was thought dead. Nick discovered that she had actually run away with her lover. In time, people stopped asking Nick to fix things when it became clear that he had found his true calling as Diamond City's private investigator. Now, it's not too long after this that you meet Nick in the game, and we're going to dig into that after the break. So we'll be right back. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning in as usual, Wastelanders, Fall Dwellers. Thanks for joining me. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and... I've got a few announcements this week, Uh, just some things to get out there into the world because it is getting closer and closer to Bethesda game days and I am super excited. I get to play a doctor character in Chad, a Fallout 76 story with my good buddy Ken and the entire cast. Well, uh, the cast that can be there, plus the cast that's doing their voice stuff to send in for the episode uh, at Bethesda Game Days. It'll be on Saturday in the afternoon. It's going to be streamed live so you can watch us from your mobile device or computer screen or whatever you want. And that's going to be on, I believe it's February 29th. I'm opening up the thing. Yes, Saturday, February 29th right now in my thing, my calendar thing. Um, so check that out. If you are going to be in Boston in the next week. Oh my God. It's only just two weeks, two weekends away, uh, two weekends from now. If you're going to be in Boston two weekends from now, then come join us. Uh, you can get into Bethesda game days for free. You don't have to buy a ticket to PAX East. You can just show up and get in line and just make it in, just show up early. And I'll be hanging out. Ken will be hanging out. I'm going to get there like Thursday night I fly in and then I'm hanging out Friday, Saturday and traveling in on Sunday. So I'll be around. And there is a channel on the discord on the robots radio discord where I will be communicating things for meetups and what's going on. So if you want to get a drink, go out to eat, whatever, just kind of hang out while we're there, then that's the opportunity to do it. There's going to be other people, other uh, game developer types, people from Bethesda. There's going to be some other content creators there and it'll be so much fun. I, I, I'm so excited. I even got, I made myself another robots radio hat. So now I've got two different robots hats. I've got one that just says robots and I've got another one that says robots radio and is a different style. I'm, I'm getting all pumped for this. This is going to be probably the best thing that I've done since starting this podcast, the opportunity to be in a situation like that live with people from Bethesda and get to shake hands and meet some of these people who I've been enjoying their games for, you know, decade plus now, which is just amazing. So let me know if you're going, jump on the discord, join that little channel. We'll communicate. We'll put some plans together. Also, um, in other big news yesterday, so I'm recording this on a Monday yesterday on Sunday, 
we recorded the second and part of the third episode of the Fallout Hub because we got two guest interviews done, which will be rolled out as those episodes come out. One of one of whom <laughs> the next episode, one of whom is that the right way to say this includes uh, Wes Johnson. If you guys don't know the West, name Wes Johnson, then uh, look him up. Go to West, just search Wes Johnson IMDb, and you will see a list of characters that he has played in Fallout 3, in the expansions, in Fallout 4, and Fallout 76, in uh, Elder Scrolls. He was in Morrowind, in Oblivion, in Skyrim. He has been in so many bethesda games when you hear his voice before he even does he so in the interview he does some of these characters while we're talking and it's great because it's like being in the in the room with the actual character in the game because he he's so good at it and uh, it was such a blast to interview him but even before he starts going into characters you can you can hear it in his voice like some of the characters sound more just like his normal talking voice and you're like oh i know this voice i know it um yeah he's i mean he's so many different characters I, I'm, I could just go through a list right now, but you guys will know when you listen to that episode of the Fallout Hub. In fact, here, I'll just I'll just spoil a little bit. Uh, Fox from the end of Fallout 3. You're going to recognize him, the super mutant. Um, any Protectron you've ever come across. Uh, Wes does their voice, most likely. Um, a whole bunch of other characters. And uh, I'm just I'm just going to leave it there. Sheogoreth. No, okay, so I'm going to stop teasing characters. He does a bunch of them when we interview him and uh, goes on and on about voice acting and working with Bethesda and doing these characters in game. And it's so, so much fun. It was such a pleasure to meet him. Such a nice guy. We could have talked for hours and hours, but, um, you know, a podcast can only be so long until people <laughs> turn it off because well, I guess some people listen to three or four hour podcasts. But anyway. Go look up the Fallout Hub. Uh, it's the new podcast I'm doing with Ken and with Ken from Fallout, uh, Chad of Fallout 76 Story and Dave from the uh, Vault Dwellers WV. I was going to say Wastelanders, but that's not the name. It's available everywhere now. It is now on iTunes and everywhere else. Um, and just a reminder, it is one of the new podcasts on the Robots Radio Network. We're continuing to grow and there's a bunch of awesome podcasts on our network. Uh, I think we've got like three different Fallout podcasts now including that one and three different elder scrolls podcasts and some other video game shows and some movie podcasts and uh audio drama type stuff lots of lots of really cool stuff so go check out robotsradio.net for a list of those or look in the the discord channel there's a little uh channel discord server there's a channel for each of the podcasts in the server so go check that out and uh, i hope you guys enjoy the fallout hub episode coming out probably this week sometime we want to get it out there before the big event so oh and i teased the uh, second guest too the the next guest we're going to have is juice head so if you are into youtube videos you were chances are you have watched some fallout content from juice head on youtube he's got a huge following. He makes some really great videos and was such a nice guy, such a wonderful guest to talk about YouTube videos and doing fallout on the internet content. That sounds weird doing fallout. Anyway, uh, that's about it for news and updates. As usual, this podcast was brought to you by our wonderful patrons. Uh, next week will be our patron chat for the month. So if you want to get on that, you've got 
about a week or next Monday. So Monday the or Sunday, I'm sorry. Next this Sunday coming up is the last Sunday of the month, the 23rd. It feels so early, but there's 29 days in the month. So 23rd, we will be recording this month's patron guest episode. And we are talking about creepy creatures in the wasteland and we're relaying stories about some of our favorite creepy creatures and then also coming up with what we would add to a fallout game what kind of creature we would make and put into the game so come join us for that patreon.com slash fallout lorecast and you can check out the other tiers even for a dollar a month you get no ads which is a wonderful bonus and some people just heck it's worth a dollar a month not to have ads because they'd rather do that so um lots of different tiers you can help support the show the show is brought to you by you guys and um also oh yeah pay, uh reviews on itunes so if you leave a review i will read it out during the final episode of the month so as part of the patron episode you get your reviews read and uh, i love hearing from you guys on there it's a wonderful way to help support the show and make sure that other people know that this show is great to listen to and so thank you for everybody who leaves reviews all right i'm gonna stop yammering on and finish the episode about nick valentine questions about nuka world i'd be delighted to answer them so this is where your character comes in while on a case to find a human named darla who was believed to have been kidnapped but in fact had run away to join a gang of mobsters uh including skinny malone skinny malone was the uh head mobster in this case nick was captured by the gang and imprisoned within their hideout in vault 114 it was here that he met and was rescued by the sole survivor, you, and the two of you escaped the vaults after confronting Skinny Malone. Upon your escape and meeting back up in Nick's office, you enlist his help in tracking down your son. Makes sense, right? He's a detective. Now, if you continue on with Nick's quests and get to know him better, then, of course, he starts to open up. And we've gone through this with some of the other character episodes. And it's a pattern. It's the way the game is, is built. You get to know each other. I guess it's the way human beings are built, really, to be honest. You get to know each other. You get to trust each other. You start sharing things that you otherwise wouldn't share because the other person wouldn't care enough or you don't trust them enough or whatever reason. So Nick eventually opens up to you. And you start the quest, long time coming. And Nick asks you to help tie up some loose ends from the original Nick Valentine's life. You see, Nick, the original Nick, had a rival, a guy named Edward Winter. And the current Nick has learned that there may be something remaining of Edward Winter. And Nick has some some beef, <laughs> some things to settle with him. So you go on a quest, you track down all 10 holotapes that lead you to a hideout. And you get a code and you're able to decode how to get into this hideout. And that's where you find a ghoulified version of Edward Winter. And of course, this ghoul winter does not recognize nick he looks completely different he's a synth i am so excited about our sponsor this week marvel strike force i freaking love 
Marvel comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. So together, you and Nick kill ghoulified Edward Winter in order to avenge the murder of Nick's fiancée, Jennifer Lands. After this, Nick takes you to the site where Winter had killed Jennifer. And then he begins to contemplate who he is and what his purpose in life is after this point. He's tied up the things that were left over from his previous existence in that weird sort of way. But what's left for Nick himself, the synth Nick? So this is where things expand a little bit in the expansion, expand in the expansion to Far Harbor. Uh, so it says here in the in the wiki, while traveling with the sole survivor, Nick finds himself on a case to find the missing daughter of Kenji Nakano, who apparently worked with Nick on a prior case and wound up with Kenji getting shot in the hip. The trail leads to Far Harbor. While on the island, Nick is reunited with Dima who I mentioned at the beginning, Nick's quote-unquote brother, Synth, who is now the current leader of Acadia. Though Dima is very glad to see his brother again, Nick is reluctant due to not remembering Dima at all. Upon finding proof of their relationship, 
The sole survivor can convince Nick to accept Dima as his brother, and the two will occasionally greet each other or chat upon entering Acadia. So things can end fairly well with Nick, and he can start to piece together who he is as a synth separate from the existence of this other Nick who lived in the past. So that's where you end up. And I started out this episode with a quote from Nick Valentine talking about separating himself from this other person in his head and trying to understand what things are his, what purpose does he have? And after clarifying the situation with winter and kind of buttoning that up, finding, finding some revenge for the death of Nick's fiance. He's probably in the best place he's ever been in as a place to kind of start over. And I also threw out in in this episode earlier, the idea that what if you were in this situation, right? What if you woke up 200 years in the future and were in a body that you didn't recognize and what would you do? And I always like to place you guys in these situations. It's like, you're my little puppets. No, uh, (laughs) you're not my puppets, but this is what I do myself. I I try to imagine if I was in somebody else's shoes, how would I feel? How would I understand the world? What would I do? How would I respond? And there's kind of a wonderful beauty. It's scary, but a beauty to options, infinite options. And sometimes I personally feel like I can do anything. And because I can do anything, not that I'm possible to do anything, but for example, you have so many options and this is a human thing. Infinite options often makes people pick nothing. If you give someone two options, they're able to compare and contrast the two and they'll pick one of the two. If you give someone five options, you can still compare and contrast and you'll pick one of the five. You give somebody a thousand options, an infinite amount of options, and it's paralyzing. It's very hard to compare any one answer across any other. So in this situation, after cleaning up the past... Nick is now in a place where he can go do whatever he wants. But but what does he want? Have you ever felt yourself in that situation? I spent a good part of my life in my early adulthood feeling exactly like that. If I could do whatever I want, then what do I want to do? I don't know. Now, of course, you can't do anything you want. You actually have to work up to the the plan that you have for your life, but it's scary. You know, what, what happens if you decide, Oh, maybe I want to become a lawyer. So you go back to school and you spend a lot of money and then you get halfway through a law program, tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and realize this is one I want to do for the rest of my life. It's, it's, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to just make a decision and go down a path. And the thing that I've learned, and I, I guess I'll get up on my uh, Abraxo box here, um, is that picking a path at all is better, better than picking no path. Because even if the path doesn't directly go in the direction that you're going to end up in the future, it'll zigzag. The connections you make in a path, the, the people that you make, the accomplishments, accomplishments you make, the, the things you learn moving down a pathway 
even if it's not the direct path to where you're going, will still get you further ultimately in the path that you are planning to end up in. It will also help you realize which things you don't want. And all of a sudden you are now whittling down those infinite amount of choices to only so many. And then you can make a decision. So it's actually the first thing you need to do in that situation. So if I were Nick, I would go with my gut. I would ask myself, what things am I good at? And where can I be the most helpful? And chances are, in Nick's situation, he would stay a detective. He finds value in that. The people around him find value in that. But what if, what if you were a synth and you had your personality? What if it wasn't Nick Valentine from Chicago loaded into that synth, but it was you? What would you do then? Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend, or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon.